It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. I have been so enjoying Cooking Light's Way to Bake, the complete visual guide to healthy baking. And I'm looking forward today to talking to Rachel West. She's the editor. And, you know, here's the thing about Cooking Light. They're not a diet magazine or series of books. They're all about moderation, being smart. And Rachel West is going to talk to us today about the nine rules of healthy baking. And she's joining us today on Amy's Table. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Well, you know, you look through the photos in this book and you think, okay, that is totally decadent desserts, beautiful muffins and cakes and pastries. And so what has Cooking Light done to make these more moderate, something we can enjoy? Right. Well, the the book is a is, covers everything, really. And that's, that was the goal, just to give you, you know, run the gamut of all the baking, um, all of the great baked products out there. Um, uh, so the way we make them lighter is just um, a lot of it's portion size. I mean, um, yeah, it's about moderation and balance, but portion size plays a lot into that. There's also other things like you'll notice in some of our cookie recipes or in muffins, we use a combination of butter and oil just to help um, cut down on the saturated fat while increasing healthy fat. Um, and also using, just like in scones, we use butter to create that nice flaky layer in there, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a moderate amount. Well, you know, I think when you talk about portion size, that's key right there is, is, as you say, you're using the butter. But if you look at what bagels of 40 years ago were to bagels of today, I know you've seen it, obviously, being with Cooking Light. But, you know, the original bagel is, is about a third the size of the bagel that we're all offered today. And right. it seems like everything is ginormous and then we can't stop ourselves from eating it. Yet if we, you know, make these things at home and, and understand the proper portion size, you can enjoy it. I, I think that's so great. That's the first step, isn't it? Right, exactly. Portion size is really where it all starts. Well, you know, baking, people always talk about the fact that cooking is an art and baking is a science. And you've got the the nine steps to really successful baking. I know we don't have time to go through all of them in depth, but can we kind of whip through those for our listeners to understand how to really be successful in the kitchen? Sure, of course. Okay. So number one, you say the results start in the mixing bowl. Mm-hmm. They do really... Um you know, flour is such a, an essential part of baking. And uh, you'll notice throughout the book, we give um, flour in the weight because we've found that in the test kitchen that even, you know, an extra, you know, 0.2 ounces can have a huge effect on the end product. So we do recommend to weigh the flour to start with just to make sure it's not, you know, you don't get too much, you don't get too little. But we also provide the cup amount, too, for those people that do not have a kitchen scale at home. Um, but yeah, that's where it starts. I mean, if you don't have the right proportion of ingredients to start with, you're not going to get the right, you know, end result that everyone wants. You know, I, I think w- when you talk about a kitchen scale, I know some people think, yeah, right, I'm never going to get one. I have to tell you that I use my kitchen scale so frequently, it's not even funny. And really, truly, if you are interested in baking, it's a great way to go. Because as you say, how I measure a cup and how the person next to me measures a cup, they come up 
pretty radically different. Mm-hmm. Some people do the scoop and level method. Some people spoon in and tamp it down. And, you know, so I think that's a huge, huge tip. And they aren't mm-hmm. that expensive. And the one that I've had is still going strong. Oh, my gosh, seven, eight years later. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. a great tool, especially if you like to bake a lot. Definitely. And then the other tools, when you're at it, of course, you've got to have good measuring cups and spoons and things, too, don't you? Mm-hmm. Well, that does. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's move on to our, our tip number two, which is follow the recipe, period. I like right. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in you know, other types of baking, sautéing or roasting, I mean, you can kind of throw in extra herbs or, you know, change the ingredients a little bit. But with baking, it is a science, and it's really about the proportions that you use and, and making sure you have the right ratio of leavener to flour and all of those things. So... Unless you're an experienced baker, I would say start with the recipe and, and follow it precisely. And then, you know, once you get kind of the ratios down, and um, then you can kind of start experimenting. But to get those proportions right and to get the, the final product that you want, it's really imperative in baking, especially light baking, um, to follow the recipe exactly. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't mm-hmm. agree more. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Rachel West. She's the editor of Cooking Likes Way to Bake, the complete visual guide to healthy baking. And we should say that this pic- this book is step by step. So it's like each recipe is a little mini cooking class. There's images mm-hmm. of what you should be doing, what it should look like. Um, you know, we kind of talked about weighing and measuring, and that's tips three and four. Um, I, I have to laugh because a friend of mine at one point, I asked her when we talk about measuring, I was making pancakes at her house. I was a weekend guest. And I said, do you have a dry measuring cup? And she took the liquid measuring cup and wiped it out with a cloth. She thought oh, yeah. I meant as in not wet. But there is a difference between the liquid and dry measures, aren't there? You want to talk it about is. that real quick? Yeah, sure. It, it, it is. The, I mean, you use the, the dry measuring cup for the flour, the, the metal ones. And, um, yeah, the, I mean, a cup isn't always eight ounce. I mean, the weight... Uh, Exactly. They're different. One is volume, right. one is volume and one is, is uh, liquid measure, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to have the right equipment. What about knowing your oven? Now, this is interesting. You turn it to 350. Most people assume they're at 350. Right. We found that, you know, every even in our test kitchen, our ovens react differently and cook differently. And it's really helpful just to have one of those um, oven thermometers that you can just hang in there. Um, just to make sure that your oven does, in fact, heat to 350. Um, ovens can be finicky, and they can also cook differently. One side might be a little bit hotter. One might be a little colder. And it's important to know those variations. So when you, you know, bring those muffins out of the oven, if the left side's a little wider than the right, you might know that starting out so you can rotate that pan in the oven. Yeah, and that's just experience in your kitchen, paying mm-hmm. attention and, and watching. And preheating, I know sometimes people skip that step and talk about what happens there. Right. Well, it's really important step. Um, you want to make sure that uh, the baking that the um, the I'm sorry the once you pop those things, the muffins or whatever in the oven, that they are going to bake in the right temperature and the right time. Um, if not, you know the leaveners might not react the same. Um, you might not get the browning that you like. So that step is really important. And most of the time with baking, you can just do make sure that's your first step. And then start mixing or start chopping or whatever you need to do to get the rest of the baked product done. And you bring up such a good point, Rachel. There, you know, it's that organized approach. Start by 
getting the oven, oven good and hot, gather your equipment, gather all your prep, measure it as it needs to be. The last thing you want to do is step by step be measuring as you proceed with the recipe because that's when we end up finding something like uh, a quarter cup nuts chopped and toasted. And we haven't mm-hmm. toasted them yet and we're halfway exactly. through. So yeah, that prep is exactly. important. It well. Is. We'll kind of fly through steps seven and eight, but cool down and proper pan. And But number nine is where I think it's important, stock, essential equipment. You've got this entire list of what we need to have, and probably a lot of people have them in their kitchen already. But mm-hmm. what are some of your favorite pieces of equipment? Well, I am so attached to my stand mixer. I have a KitchenAid that I just love. It's a heavy-duty mixer. Um, I, I'm not, I don't make yeast breads that often, but it's, I, I, it's good to know that I have a heavy duty mixer that can kind of handle light batters um, to heavier batters and doughs. Um, so that's one thing that I'm particularly attached to in my kitchen, but I think too, a food processor is a huge time saving tool um, for quickly making crusts or, you know, just chopping something very quickly, it really can save time in the kitchen. I, I don't think I could make it through, I, I could make it through a day, but I don't think I could make it through a week without a food processor. And I'm always <laughs> amazed when I ask in cooking classes where, you know, pretty much you're expecting it foodies in the group, people interested in cooking, how often there's a handful of people who don't have a food processor. And I always tease them. I'm like, okay, we'll all wait for you. Run, get it now. You know, I, I think uh-huh. it's it's truly critical. It is. Well, let's talk about the recipe that you shared with us. It's the cast iron apple cobbler, and it looks mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. It, I, I am a huge fan of cobblers, crisps, all of those, because really the, the tough part is, and, and it's not even tough, is making the um, topping. Once you get the topping down to what you like, you can mix and match fruits and just do whatever seasonal. Um, and that's really what I like. They're a good kind of beginner um, beginner baking, mm-hmm. I guess, um, mm-hmm. just because the, the toppings are not co- complicated to do um, and they're open to endless interpretations. And again, as you say, follow it exactly mm-hmm. per the recipe the first time, but then you could start doctoring it up as you see, you know, your oven, you know, the recipe, you know, the ingredients, and you can start to add things. You know, just a little case in point about how each recipe is so much like a little cooking class. Next to the cast iron apple cobbler, there's a how to season a cast iron skillet. Right. Great. That's such an important yeah, thing. It's you don't a great... want to ruin your cast iron skillet because um, it can stay with you for years and years and pass on generation to generation if you take care of it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, it's such a good book such for foodies and beginners alike. It's It's got a lot of good information. It's Cooking Lights, Way to Bake, the Complete Visual Guide to Healthy Baking. We're going to put some of the tips that we talked about today and the recipe for cast iron apple cobbler on amystable.com. But of course, you can always go to cookinglight.com too. And Rachel West, it's been great to talk to you. Thanks for talking to us about the way to bake. Sure, thank you for having me. Stick around for another helping from Amy's Table on Q102. Q! It's Amy's Table with Amy Tolman, yeah. Q102.